When we talk about journeys on uh, an airplane, uh, what you bring along in your baggage really does matter. Um, because, and, and you know this, is if you bring too much baggage along, what happens? You get fined, right? Or not fined. I guess there's fees. It feels like a fine. It's like a fine. I'm like half in, half out. There I am. I'm all there. Hey, welcome to those of you watching online. We don't just do service in the dark. Okay. Uh, but anyways... Um, but anyways, yeah, so if you, if you uh, bring a bunch of baggage along on your flight, it can really hold things up. And I don't know if you've ever been on a commercial flight before, but, you know, by the end of the boarding process, uh, that there will be people who will, like, go back and forth down the aisles just trying to find a place for their carry-on so they don't have to check their luggage, right? Because baggage can get in the way of your trip, especially on a flight. Again, not so much a road trip, but, but a flight. And so if you don't already know, today we're going to talk about baggage. Um, and not, not like the normal kind of baggage that I think we stereotypically think of. And I know baggage isn't maybe a term that we use so much anymore. Maybe, you know, 10, 20 years ago we used it a lot. Um, but uh, we're not talking today, or I'm not talking at least today, about uh, like uh, emotionally hurt baggage. Like you have a bad past, you know, you look at someone, you're like, wow, they have a lot of baggage. I'm not talking about that baggage. Today, we're going to talk about banana baggage, Okay. And I will explain, don't worry. But before I do, I thought I would share this fantastic story that happened last night, completely unrelated to the message today, um, because to make sure I don't forget things in the morning, I, I put the banana in the jar and had it by the garage door to go leave so I wouldn't forget it for today's sermon illustration, because that would then not be a very good sermon illustration. But anyways, so it was sitting there um, next to the garage, and uh, our three-year-old, our oldest three-year-old, um, like was not wanting to go to bed, like no indication of going to bed. Stephanie and I are both sitting in bed trying to go to bed. And she runs out because she says she needs a snack. And she comes back with a banana. And she jumps on the bed, kid you not, jumps on the end of the bed and says, banana. <laughs> and I said, oh no, where did you get that banana? And she points out the door and I said, did you get it out of the jar by the door? And she's like, uh-huh. And I said, well, daddy needs that banana for tomorrow. And she looked at me and she said, but I need it now. <laughs> Not exaggerating, one bet, direct quote. So I went out to make sure we had two more bananas, which we did. So the banana I was going to use is gone. So anyway, so that's the banana for today. Oh, wait, I actually need this. Okay, so we're talking about baggage, and we're talking about banana baggage. And the reason that we're talking about banana baggage is because um, this right here is how you trap a monkey. And I'm going to tell you how to trap a monkey because someday it may come in handy to you. Um, but it's going to illustrate the point for today as well. So this is how you catch a monkey, or one of the ways to catch a monkey, is you can take a banana, or you can break it in half or something like that. And this is what they do in, in more third world countries. Uh, you can get a large coconut, which today is going to be symbolic by this jar. And you take the banana, and you put, you carve a hole out of the coconut, and you put the banana into the coconut, and you slide it in, okay? And then, the, and then you tie the coconut to a tree, and a monkey will come along, and the monkey will determine that there is a banana in the coconut, and will try to then reach in and take the banana out. But now, because they're holding onto the banana, their hand is too big to get out of the coconut. And so they are now trapped. Because why are they trapped, or how do they get trapped? Because they won't let go of the banana until someone comes and lets them go of the banana. Seriously, you can look this up online. Some monkeys will not let go of the banana. And now they're trapped. And the rest of their life, possibly, 
is now fully controlled by their hand in a coconut holding a banana because they can't let go of the banana. They're defined by it. Their future now is in the hands of the banana. They can only go so far away from the tree as the tree or the banana, more specifically, will allow them. Their future is in the hands of the banana. Can you believe that? That that there would be a primate that would be so crazy enough to not let go of the banana because they want the banana. Kind of know where I'm going with this, don't you? Rule number four in our series, the final rule is do not hold on. Don't hold on to unnecessary baggage because we do it all the time. And if baggage were actual physical luggage and we were going on a flight, we would be bringing way too many bags than will fit on the plane. And in so doing, in not letting go of the baggage that we have in our lives, we will incur throughout our life additional fees. We will make getting through to get to our ultimate destination more difficult because security is going to have to check all of those bags. We're going to hold up boarding for everybody else in our lives. And in some cases, we can weigh the entire plane down. Like two, I think like two weeks ago, maybe you saw this online, there was a United flight, a 737, that literally tipped over because they unloaded their baggage incorrectly and they had too much baggage. Totally throws the whole thing off. I wish somebody would have taken like a video of when they like got it to go back. I don't know how they make that. But anyways, okay, you can literally pull the entire plane down just off of that. But isn't it true? There's many of us, many of us, who go through life slowed down by our baggage, held back. In fact, we trap ourselves because we won't let go of what's going on in our lives. And I don't know your story. I don't know your baggage. And, and I don't, you know, assume to know. And I get that I'm kind of maybe treading on, you know, some dangerous territory, like because of what has happened in your past or what you may consider as baggage. But my hope is, is not to, you know, shame you or guilt you, make f- feel bad for, for any baggage that you may have in your life or that you're still holding on to, okay? That's not my goal. My goal today is to help you to see your baggage for what it is and why, why it is so difficult for some of us to not just let go of the banana and walk away, to just walk away. So let's talk about this. What are you holding on to that's holding you back? What's ho- what are you holding on to that's holding you back? Is it an unhealthy relationship from your past or your present? A boyfriend or girlfriend that you know it probably is time for you to move on, but you won't say no. Maybe some past offenses or experiences that, that others have, you know, done towards you or you've done towards them. Maybe your pride, you know, you just can't admit that you were wrong or say that maybe you made a mistake or that you could do something better because you just, your pride gets in the way. It could be financial. It could be money related. You just can't let go of the money and everywhere you go, you're just so tied to the money or the things that it buys you or maybe a political agenda or perspective This filter that you use to see the entire world through, you're just holding on. And no matter what people tell you, you are stuck holding on to that. Maybe it's your inflexibility when things come up or the challenges of life come up or people have different perspectives. You're just like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. You're just, this is the way it is. You're stubborn. We have stubborn people who go to Infused Church, I know. Okay, two of them, that's great. Yeah. And it can trap you. But the good news is, 
Not all monkeys get trapped by the banana. Isn't that great news? The monkeys that don't get trapped to the banana, this is going to be shocking to you, they don't get trapped because they let go of the banana. They let go of the baggage. They let go of what they realize over time is trapping them and holding them back. And if you're not a Jesus follower here today, or you may be new to faith, you're trying to figure it out, this is kind of really the end of the message for you today, okay? This is where the end of the Jesus, you know, we're going to talk Jesus from now on, but this is, this is what you have to do in your life, okay? If you're not a Jesus follower, you just have to let go of the banana. You have to let go of the things that you know are not good for you. They're not good for you physically. They're not good for you emotionally, They're creating bitterness and anger inside of you. They're costing the people around you because you're just so difficult to deal with sometimes. And so really your only option is just to let go of the banana and move on. So just let go of the banana because it's just so easy to do, right? I mean, just let go, right? It's not easy to let go of the banana. Like once you've identified what the banana is or the bananas, could be more than one, what the baggage is for you, it's not that easy to let go of, is it? It's hard to let go, especially if it's something you really want or it's been such a part of your life for so long that you really don't know how to live without that thing or without that emotion or behavior or decision. It's not easy to let go. Because if it was easy, we all would have let go of it a long time ago. We would have let go of the fear and the anger and the stubbornness and the bitterness and the pride and the hurt and the insecurity. We would have let go of the things that were really, we thought they were a pastime, but then they became a pathway to something even worse that's just really more or less become an addiction. But you don't want to call it an addiction because then that means you're identifying the fact that you're trapped by it, right? What's the first step is admitting you have a problem, but you don't want to do that because then that's admitting that you're trapped and you've been controlled by something and that you're not actually in control and nobody wants to admit that they're not in control. So we avoid calling it that. Essentially, you're not letting go of the banana. The reason it is so hard to let go of baggage is because it's not just baggage. It's not just baggage. There's something more going on. And I want to suggest to you today, and this is what we're going to talk about for the next little bit of time, and this is what the Apostle Paul actually spoke about at great length throughout many of his writings. Paul, who was, you know, a big Jesus fan, or big, not Jesus fan, excuse me, big Jewish fan, and he hated Christians and wanted to wipe them off the face of the planet. Literally, that's what he said. He just wanted to get rid of them all and imprison them all and wipe them out. He's zealous for getting rid of Christians, then became a Christian, met Jesus, became a Christian, and then changed the world for Christianity. It's just an incredible story. And he said, there is something more to baggage. He said this because he lived it. He had so much baggage. And if you read all of his letters in the New Testament, you see progressively throughout, he'll use his story of carrying so much baggage with him as a huge problem, as a burden that held him back. And he says there is something deeper going on. There is something super difficult to let go of at play more often than not when it comes to to your baggage. So I'm going to let Paul explain to you why you and I can't let go. And it's not easy, I should say. It's not that we can't, but it's not easy to let go of what we're holding on to sometimes. And to do that, Paul, just a heads up, Paul uses 
slave and master imagery. He uses the imagery of slavery, which, you know, makes us somewhat uncomfortable because of our American history when it comes to slavery and our mistreatment uh, of minorities just in general. But Paul, in Paul's day, in the Roman Empire, this was a great analogy because like half of the people he was probably talking to had either been slaves at some point or were slaves currently or owned slaves. I mean, that was just like the majority of a lot of people. And so they knew what it was like to be uh, at a, a complete loss of control, to be trapped, to be held back by something from maybe your dreams because what somebody else wanted or what that thing you were tied to or held on to kept you from. And so that's the imagery that he uses. And he says essentially that a slave can't let go and a master is in charge. And don't you know that? That's how he starts. In fact, he starts a lot of his statements sometimes by don't you know? So here's how he starts in Romans chapter six. He says, don't you know? Because he wasn't sure that they did. It was kind of like an afterthought. He'd be writing along and they'd be like, wait, don't you guys know? Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as an obedient slave, you are slaves to the one you obey. To which we say, as we think about it, yeah, that actually makes complete sense. That's pretty obvious, Paul. Like if you offer yourself as a slave to someone, then you now have to obey everything that they say. That makes perfect sense. But this is where, and what he's about to go into, this is why it's so difficult to let go. He says, whether you are a slave to sin, this thing right there, that especially if you grew up in church, like may bring up some like angst and you know, you might want to start putting up your walls because a lot of times when you grew up in church, like the pastor would yell at you, you're a sinner, you got to repent and you know, be free of your sin, all that kind of stuff. Um, it, a lot of anger associated with it, okay? You can let your barriers down because we're going to talk about this. But this right here is the reason that I think for all of us, myself included, it is difficult to let go of our baggage. Sin um, in its origin, I talk about this a lot and I, and I repeat it a lot because I want you to really get this ingrained in there and, and kind of move beyond maybe what you grew up with or your preconceived notion of you know, someone yelling at that you know, street corner at a big sporting event, something about your sin, okay? Because that's what we think of when we think of sin. Sin in its origin is an archery term, okay? That, that's the word's origin was archery. And it was associated um, to essentially missing, okay? When you missed, you sinned. So essentially every arrow that you shoot is a decision or a behavior. And when that decision or behavior or choice misses the mark, misses the bullseye, which is God's love, you sinned. You missed the mark, and the thing about sin, and when it's associated with God, and God says that you've sinned, generally that means you have missed the mark in your love of God, your love of your neighbor, or the love of yourself. You're not loving correctly, because that's the bullseye, God's love. So when it comes to your marriage, or your uh, dating life, or your, your work life, or just friendships, or family, if you miss the mark, if you sin, you have caused hurt. People are hurting around you, or you have hurt God above you. And when it comes to our baggage, I think a lot of times, I'm not saying all the time, but I think a lot of times what's woven into our baggage, somewhere in there, is sin. In fact, possibly the reason for the bag's existence or the banana's existence, depending on what analogy you want to use, is 
or was uh, began with someone sinning, either someone around you or yourself or towards somebody else or how you even treated yourself and you missed the mark. And for some reason, we have a terrible time letting go of sin. And the giant problem with sin, the big glaring, big problem with sin, and Paul wants us to know, and he talks about this a lot, we're slaves to sin, which leads to death. This seems really dramatic and dark, but actually it kind of makes sense if you think about it. If you're not loving someone, if you're not caring, if you're not putting someone else first, being thoughtful and patient and kind, there's a good chance you're doing other behaviors that are literally killing the relationship. Let me put it this way to you. Um, if, if you think in relationship terms, let's say somebody came to you, and maybe this has been an experience that you've had, and they stole money from you, okay? They stole a chunk of money from you. That would upset you, yes? yes. But a few days later, they felt really bad about it. So they brought the money back to you and gave it to you and said, sorry. Is the relationship all good? Have they restored the relationship completely? No. You got your money back, but the relationship is broken. Something died in the relationship. Trust, actually, is the thing that died. And that trust is going to have to be rebuilt over time and may not fully come back to the exact place it was before that person stole from you. When you miss the mark, when you sin or others sin, something dies. And it's very, very difficult to get that thing back. It kills things. It kills things financially. And you've been there. You've seen that. You've seen, you know, financial sin hurt you or hurt others. You've, you've felt it maybe physically. You've seen it in careers. You've seen careers, you know, just absolutely fall out of the sky and be completely annihilated because of sin. You've seen or even felt peace killed. Like you had peace and then no longer was it there when it came to God or when it came to yourself or others. And the reason is sin. And then that, that guilt or that burden or, you know, that, that uh, shame sometimes that we feel, we carry that with us. And for some reason, we can't let go. We can try to forget it, but it keeps coming up along the journey of life as we try to get to our destination. It, you kind of know that there is a real possibility that when you miss the mark with you or others or that kind of thing, it kills your future, it kills your potential, it kills possible relationships, friendships, because that's just what sin does. And that's why I hope you take baggage or the banana seriously, because it is serious. So the question then is, how do you get free? How do you get free of holding on to this? How do you snap yourself out of it enough to walk away from the thing that's holding you back? Paul says, I'll break it down for you. Okay, and he does so in very Christian theological terms, so I'll walk you through it. He says the other alternative, the alternative option is obedience. Obedience. Notice he doesn't say slavery yet. He says obedience. Because for God, 
And following God or following Jesus, it's a matter of obedience or discipline, discipleship. In other words, it's obedience because you have a choice. You have a choice. You can either obey or disobey, which leads to obedience to God, leads to righteousness. It leads to that which is right. So then the question that Paul is kind of leaving out here is like, okay, well then Paul, and I know I already gave you the answer, but what is it that we need to obey? What is it that we need to follow? What obedience, who do we direct that obedience to then? He says, I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. He goes on, he says, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. You have been set free. Do you not know that you have been set free from your sin and become slaves to righteousness? That in other words, you can let go of the banana and baggage and choose to follow, choose to obey somebody else. Okay, so now I can let go of the banana, but I'm not just gonna be alone trying to figure out my life because I think sometimes that's why it's difficult for us to let go because over time, the banana or baggage just becomes comfortable. And so it's difficult for you, it's difficult for us to let go with a thing that has now become just a part of our life. And Paul says, snap out of it. Know that you are free and you can follow someone else. You can let go. Your mind and your heart can change. And you can follow a right path, a different path. The reason that you can do this, the reason that this is possible and the way to get there, Paul's gonna say, he breaks it down actually in a completely different letter. He says, do you not know? Because they may not know. Do you not know that your bodies are temples? You might've heard this before. I know when I grew up in church and I heard my body's a temple, I'm like, well, I gotta work out. You know, I gotta take care of this thing, okay? And then I got older and had kids. But that was a joke. Okay, bodies are temples, all right? Temples are places, or let me put it in a different term, churches are generally thought of, though incorrectly, that is the place in which heaven and earth meet. Temples are the places where heaven and earth meet. He says, you, your bodies, are temples. And the reason that they're temples is because the Holy Spirit, in other words, God's spirit, God's breath, His life is in you, whom you have received from God. His spirit is in you. He wants to reside in you. Not the anger, not the bitterness, not the insecurities, not the doubts. Peace and love. He wants to reside in you. God doesn't want the baggage of the world or the bananas of the world to hold you back. He wants to just be with you and bring you his peace and his love. And then he makes a powerful point that may help you to find freedom from the baggage of this world and begin helping you to move to a new destination. And this is a verse that, you know, like I think is worth like putting on your phone, like really wrestling with and stewing on because it is so incredibly powerful. You have received, you are a temple and you have received this from God. You are not your own. And the reason you're not your own is because you were bought with a price. To which we say, oh, I'm not sure if I like that idea. I'm not sure if I like somebody buying me. Remember your economics class or for those of you that took economics? 
This says a lot about the object you buy, does it not? If you spend a lot of money on something, it says that something is worth it. If you spend a lot of money on maybe somebody's health, that says what? That someone is really worth it. The principle here is the value of a thing is the price that it will bring. The value of a thing is the price that it will bring. So the question is, when it came to paying for you, what did God pay? He paid for you with his son. The same son that came to earth that taught us this pattern of behavior. Taught us how to obey, how to live a life in a new direction. He taught us, ultimately, if you go back and watch this entire series, he taught us rule one, rule two, rule three, and so many others. Because he wanted us to live a new life, a different life. And he said, this is how you need to live your life. And when you can't, yes, you sin. But I have good news for you. I'm going to pay for that sin. I don't want you to live a life that's bad. I don't want you to live a life that's off course. I don't want you to live a life where you filled and bogged down with all that baggage and hate and bitterness and anger. I want you to live a life that's free, and I'm going to show you how, and when you can't make it, I'm going to pay for it when you can't. That's love. He paid for all the sin, all the death that we've racked up with his life. So we could be free. So if you've ever struggled with self-worth, know that you are worth God's son. And for a lot of you, I know for me, I got really caught up in my faith journey with, you know, like the creation account and, and things in the Bible and biblical authority and all that kind of stuff. So I walked away from church completely. But the thing that really got me, the thing that ultimately I realized that I got wrong was how valuable I was to my heavenly father. And I was worth his son. And I realized in that moment, I don't have to be defined by my baggage anymore. That I get to let go and walk away. That it doesn't need to control me anymore. That in fact, I can just follow him instead. Think about it this way. The things that you're holding on to, that you're not letting go of. What are the things that you're holding on to, offered, or done for you? Like, really? What has your money done for you? Yeah, it's bought you things, it's got you things, it's gotten you through life, but does it really care? Would it sacrifice for you? Would it love you? Of course not. What has your anger gotten you? What has your addiction gotten you? Has it really gotten you relief, freedom? No. You're trapped. You're holding on. You can't let go. What has it really done for you? Has it really brought you what you know that you need? Has it really brought you the life that you know is possible? Jesus said so often, time and time again, if you open up the gospel or one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you just read through kind of the middle section where Jesus does his ministry, listen to the times that Jesus says or essentially insinuates, hey, so-and-so, you gotta let go. You gotta let go. 
Don't let that hold you anymore. And oftentimes that thing, he may not outright even say it. Sometimes he says it outright, but the thing has sin wrapped up to it. The rich man comes to him and says, Jesus, I've done all the right things. I follow, you know, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, well, let, then let go of your money. And he says, I can't. And he walks away. He said, Jesus doesn't say that to hurt you. Jesus doesn't say that because Jesus isn't against money. He's just against money holding you back. Over and over again, he says, let go of the anger in your heart. Let go of the power and the arrogance, the pride that you have, the fear you have. Stop worrying. Stop having a fear against what's happening in life. Stop letting sin lead your life and follow me. Follow me, the one who wants to give you peace that passes all understanding, who wants to help you navigate the detours of life. Because honestly, when a detour comes up and you have all this baggage, does that baggage not make it harder to go with the flow of a detour in life versus someone who lives free? Once in a while, you get to bump up against people who are living free in Christ. And I know even as an agnostic, they just, honestly, they made me angry. Because I was like, you have a terrible health affliction. You have a terrible financial or relational situation, and yet you have peace, and you have freedom, and you have something I want, and that just makes me angry. Why? It's because I didn't want to let go. I didn't want to trust like they trust, those people that just have big faith. Big faith. Rule number four, don't hold on to unnecessary baggage because you don't have to. You don't have to. Your debt is paid. Your worth is established. Your freedom is given. And the baggage is not, I hope we've established here, is not worth it. And if you still struggle with trying to determine like what your baggage is, because I get it for some of us that have you know, maybe pride problems, okay, it's going to be difficult to identify maybe where we fall short. One option is to ask the people around you because they know your baggage because they have to help carry it. And they're probably too kind, maybe kindness is not the right word, to tell you about it. Tell you about your vanity, your insecurity, your self-doubt, the hold that your addiction has on you, the rage that you have inside of you, but they're carrying it and they know. Why not live free of that? For your sake and those you love's sake and your heavenly father who wants to give you this gift. Why not let Jesus take your baggage so you can carry on? Little dad joke for you, carry on luggage, okay. I get that talking about our baggage is difficult. I get that it's easier to ignore what is holding us back. I get that it is, oh my word, it is so much easier to see the baggage in everybody else around us. I bet you've already come up with a list. You know your spouse's baggage. You know your kids' baggage. You know your coworkers and your boss's baggage. You got that figured out. I get that it's easier. But you're not going to find freedom processing their baggage. You're going to find freedom when you confront yours. Because you know it's there. 
And it may be difficult to confront it because you know deep down that it's associated with sin. It's not how God created the world to work. It's not how God created you to live and work. And so you don't wanna confront it, especially if you grew up in church and, and that was really a, a point of shame that the pastor would hit on week after week after week and call you to confess, call you to confess. And you just did it because you didn't wanna be the outcast that didn't. That's not the relationship God wants to have with you. God wants it to be authentic and real, just as he wants your freedom to be real. Call it for what it is. Call it for what it is and ask for forgiveness, ask for peace. Ask for the gift your heavenly father wants to give you. Don't let this master you because it will. It will consume you and it will hurt those around you. But we can be free. We can have peace and we can be slow to anger when we find the love of God, the truth that God has for us that he showed us through his son. One of the ways we remember that is through communion. If you came in today and you picked up one of these, it's a, kind of a complicated thing. On the top, you can take the top off and there's a wafer and then there's another layer that you can open up and there's some juice. And if you're joining us online, you can find anything around the house, a cracker or a piece of bread or water, whatever. And we would love for you to participate with us in this. But in communion, we remember God's love for us through Jesus and the freedom that we can have from sin in him. And we remember that by consuming something because one of the closest ways we can get to something is consuming it. And then it becomes a part of us. Isn't that not true? And so when we take the bread or what is a symbol of Jesus's body, and when we take the cup, which is a symbol of Jesus's blood and sacrifice on the cross, we remember, we honor, and we give thanks for the love of God. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he broke it and gave thanks, saying, this is my body broken for you, each and every one of you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and said, this is my blood shed for you, a new covenant, a new agreement between you and me that you can live free. You can live with me forever. Do this in remembrance of me. If you would, bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, anytime we talk about this, we can open a whole chest full of emotions, a whole chest full of experiences, of stories of past realities and hurts and joys. Lord, help us all, each and every one of us, as we mull over, as we think through, as we even maybe discuss our baggage, not the baggage that necessarily we need to feel shame for, but the baggage that is there that needs to be dealt with, that is holding us back. Help us to be honest with ourselves for what it is. 
Help us not to put up walls and barriers and ignore it and justify it. Help us to be honest with it so that we can find freedom because in honesty and truth, we can find freedom. Help us to go through life knowing your love and what you've done for us, the truth and the love that you have for each and every one of us, that we do not need to live change of that tree anymore, but we can walk free. We can walk free with you and we can make that decision to walk free today. We can let your spirit reside in our hearts, your presence be close to us because that's what you want because that's what a loving God wants. That's what a loving father wants. And some of us never experienced that, but that is the truth of a heavenly father is he wants to be close to us. That's why he sent his son to be with us. Help us to know the love that you have for us, to trust the love that you have for us and to walk away from that which has held us back and to walk free in that love. Lord, give us a sense of that peace that passes all understanding so that one day we can reach the destination you have laid out for us and that the detours of life wouldn't throw us off because even in a detour, we're calm, we're patient, and we're loving because you love us in the same way, even when we take two tours that you don't have for us, that you love us none, the less. Lord, help us to pursue you. Maybe today is the first step in a new journey of wrestling with us, of being honest about us. Maybe it's a recommitment to something we've walked away from in the past. Help us find what we're looking for. Give us the strength and the wisdom and the people and your son to do it. In your name I pray, amen.